0: Hello again, it's your friendly neighborhood host J.T. Wheatley, back for another episode of the History Comics Podcast. This time in the life of Elton Clay Fax and George P. Lipskin, the artist and the writer. Through most of the uh, Black Comic Book Creator series we've been going through, we have mostly focused on the artists. Mainly that that was because there were very few, if any, black lighters during the uh, Golden Age. In fact, there is probably just one that can be identified, and that is George P. Lipskin, but to get to him, we still have to go to another black artist, and that is Elton Clay Fax. Elton Clay Fax was born on October 9, 1901, in Druid Heights, in Baltimore, Maryland. He was named after his uncle and grew up in a prosperous black community at the time, where Booker T. Washington even visited. However, the, the section Fax grew up was a bit more humbler, where he, his parents, and his younger brother Mark lived. His father, Mark Oakland Facts, attended the New York School of Chirapati, a.k.a. podiatry, in 1911. Upon graduation and state licensing, Mark Facts began running ads in the Baltimore Afro-American newspaper offering his patients to come to his home at 1516 Pressman Street. While he was able to earn an extra income, Mark Facts still had to keep up his regular job as a stevedore slash dock worker at the Baltimore Railroad Depot while his wife and Elton's mother, Willie Estelle Fax, worked out of the home as a dressmaker. Willie Fax was one of the seven college-educated children and thus actively involved in her children's education, along with being very religious like her husband. They were also very protective of their youngest child, as Mark was a bit of an introvert, though he would later demonstrate enough talent with playing the organ that he would play for large churches and silent movies. Both Fax boys would go to the Frederick Douglass High School, the city's first all-black high school in the country's second, as Baltimore had the highest black population of any city in America at the time. Fax would have some esteemed classmates there, notably the future civil rights lawyer and Supreme Court Justice Thurgood Marshall, whom Fax was a year ahead of, and musician Cab Calloway. During this time, Fax's parents separated, with his father moving to Los Angeles, only to later die on August of 1927. His mother, Willie, took her sons and moved in with her two sisters, both of whom were teachers, and encouraged Elton and Mark to seek out a college education. Elton Fax graduated from high school in June of 1926 and went to Clayton College in Orangeburg, South Carolina, before transferring to Syracuse University in 1927, majoring in engineering. However, his roommate was an art major, which is where Fax eventually went into, helped by the fact he kept funking his math classes. He would have to work his way through school to complete his education, doing odd jobs like a pot washer or a bellman. but also had benefits for Fax as well, particularly since he met his future wife, Grace Turner, at Syracuse in 1929. They would have three children together. Fax would graduate in June of 1931 with a fine arts degree. Fax returned to Baltimore as an artist and began a series of one-man shows to show off his paintings. He provided work for the Assembly Hall of Afro-American Building and quickly earned a reputation as one of the city's top artists working at the Baltimore Afro-American Newspaper as his resident art critic, along with doing a solo show for them. In 1933, Fax received a uh, Civil Works Administration Award, a new deal program designed to provide work for the unemployed, to play a mural in Dunbar Junior High School at $42 a week, $800 a day, which is decent pay for a new artist. In 1935, Fax returned to Clayton College, this time teaching art. However, he will receive a letter from Augustus Savage, who he had previously met in New York two years earlier, with an offer of a job for the Work Projects Administration, WPA, another New Deal program designed to create jobs through public works. Uninspired by his position at Clayton, Fax left for New York City and did work in Harlem, as Savage found an art studio there and later formed the Harlem Community Arts Center in December of 1937 through the Works Project Administration Federal Art Program. There, Fax participated in the Contemporary Negro Artists in February of 1939, and in 1940 he did the American Negro Exhibition in Chicago. He also met fellow artists Romare Burden, Charles Alston, and E. Sims Campbell, who encouraged Fax to get into commercial art. With a wife and children to support, Fax worked with the WPA supplying illustrations for the new reading program. Two of these books were March Colbert's War Cloud and The Pygmies by George P. Lipskin, the latter writer whom Fax would work with again. He would also illustrate for Pulp Magazine's in 1942, such as Weird Tales, Real Victim, Complete Cowboy, Story Parade, Child Life, All Sports, and Astounding. He finally made his jumps into comic strips with the, with which was published in black newspapers due L.H. Stanton's the Continental Features. The strip was about a mischievous black girl and ran from 1942 to 1943. All this commercial work was for turretists to get as the WPA was ended in nineteen forty three. Fax eventually got work in the comic books, taking advantage of the fact that many of the white artists were being drafted and serving in the World War II. He was able to do signed work in Target Comics number no. eight, volume five, February nineteen forty five, with the story The Bullseye Ball, and later did Volume Six, number no. three of May nineteen forty five as well. Facts received a brief biography piece in Ramona Lowe's New York in Review for the Chicago Defender on December 2, 1944, pointing out that he was doing work for Curtis Publi- Publishing, with his own Parents Magazine, and through Novelty Press, Target Comics. Facts would also do unsigned work for True Comics through Lloyd Jacobs Fun- Funnies Incorporated, a comic shop that provided stories for comic books and at the same time another black Golden Age artist, Robert Pius, also worked there. Fax later did work on Young Life, February of 1945, and Teen Life, two teen-oriented comic books under New Age Publisher, which was a reincarnation of the American Youth Democracy, a publishing arm of the American Communist Party. In addition, the owner was listed as Liv Gleason, the future publisher of the legendary crime comic, Crime Does Not Pay. It was this, plus Fax's work with the socialistic uh, trade union news service that likely indicates his politics veered left, even though he he wasn't very overt about it. It was also through this work he met George Dewey Lipskin, possibly the only black writer of the Golden Age. Lipskin was born on September 7, 1898 in Freeport, Illinois, the son of Alice and John Lipskin, a former slave. As a young boy, Lipskin showed early skill as a debater, winning a statewide contest in June of 1916 with oratory, the future of the American Negro, and success earned him the scholarship to Northwestern University. He would briefly serve in the Army during World War One before graduating and would work odd jobs until he was until he um, earned national praise for his one-act play, *Frantis*, Lipskin gained even more attention when he wrote Dr. George George Washington Carver, Scientist with Shirley Graham, the future wife of civil rights activist Webb Du Bois, in April of 1944. Facts, Facts provided illustrations, and a significant part of this positive reception for the book was from them. Next, Lipson wrote Tales from the Lands of Simba in 1945, which was a collection of five illus- stories with illustrations by Felice Warden. One story, Simba Wana, Lion Master, was adapted into the comic book Jack Armstrong, Number 1, on November of 1947, with Elton Fax providing the art, and this would ultimately be his last work in comics. Lipskin's continued in comics, working at the uh, Gilberton Company on Classic Illustrated, a comic book that adapted literary masterpieces like Alice in Wonderland and The Man in the Iron Mask, with Iger Studios providing the art. Lipskin provided text for their David Copperfield adaptation in June of 1947, and later helped adapt James Fenimore Cooper's The Spy in issue number 51, that's the third a Christmas Carol in issue number fifty-three in November of 1948 and The Lady in the Lake, number 75, number 75, in September 1950. Sadly, he passed away on January 26, 1957, but with the distinction of being one of the few, if only, black, black Golden Age comic book writers. Elton Fax continued to do other work during his partnership with Lipskin, such as They Never Die, in the 1945, a biographical cartoon that ran to the 19, late 1940s, and illustrating Lila Marshall's Vinnie Taylor story in the Negro Magazine. He continued as an illustrator, working on books like West African Vignettes in 1960, Contemporary Black Leaders in 1970, and Hashar in 1980. Facts also started to produce posters to push social causes, a significant one that debuted in Gary, in the an- Indiana in 1943, depicting a helmeted black soldier with the caption, 500,000 of these lads are fighting for you, let them and their share in our democracy. In addition, he produced two posters of the NAACP, one depicting the hand of the NAACP strangling Jim Crow with the flags of Nazi Germany, and Japan hanging from his legs. The second was a simpler drawing showing a well-dressed black man holding the scales of justice which appeared at the 8th Annual Youth Conference in the New Orleans. Facts later moved to Mexico in 1943, partly due to his daughter going to college there, but also to avoid racial tensions in the United States. In 1964, he became a goodwill ambassador to East Africa, while also starting to accrue awards for his distinguished career, such as the Coretta Scott King Award from the American Library Association in 1972 for his art and writing. He also would remarry to Elizabeth V. Merle, a social worker. In 1990, he won the Chancellor Award from his alma mater, Syracuse University. Elton Clayfax died on May 13, 1933 at the age of 83 in Queens, New York. His papers are currently held at the New York Public Library, Boston University, Syracu- and Syracuse University, along with a longer le- legacy of creating the art and comic books. Notably, he had a brief but fruitful partnership with George P. Lipskin, making one of the few, if only, black r- writer-artist pairings in the Golden Age, and that alone is history-making. I would like to thank the chief source of this episode, Invisible Men, the trailblazing black Artists of comic books by King Quattro, which reads a great biography of Elton Clayfax with additional uh, information on George P. Lipskin and numerous other black artists of the Golden Age. A must-read for any comic book fan. fun than a super kick party it's the wrestling podcast from the host who is the hammer swinging burrito eating will you know the rest of thunder talk sexy Four. it's the ring of thunder found in the thunderverse and among the great podcasts of the eso network Now it is May 6th, uh, 2021. Time for the favorite comic of the week. The Good Asian by Pornsec Picholet and Alexandra Tunkvinking. Excuse me if I mispronounce those names. but uh, it's uh, Which is a great new uh, mystery series about Edison Hark, a 1930s um, Asian-American detective in the U- in the 1930s uh, US-, US of A. That finds someone investigating a new mystery while, all while having to deal with the racist backdrop of America at the time. Pictures' op does a great job just developing the uh, atmosphere and going with the real world um, history of 1930s America being at a time when Asian American immigrants were actually banned for decades for coming to America for uh, stupid racist reasons. Well, at the same I said, a really good mystery. As you see, uh, Hark uh, does a really good job as being a detective. And it's matched wonderfully by Tefengi's, uh great Norrish art. He does a great job of also not only uh, developing the atmosphere, but also showing off Hark's detective skills. Like, his detective vision is very cool to look at. And so So, this looks like, a hey, it looks to be like a great uh, new comic. And uh, very timely, considering the the feelings about Asian Americans today. So, yeah, definitely worth picking it up. And with that, we'll conclude this other uh, biography on the uh, great uh, black uh, artist of uh, the golden age of comic books joining in next week for another new episode and until then go out and enjoy yourself a good comic book